Osiris. Hey guys, before we go beyond the pond, we are very excited to tell you about our sponsor for this week. The holidays are right around the corner. What do you get for the fish fan who has everything? Aside from the war on drugs lost in the dream on vinyl? Nah, you get them ice cream. If you guys know anything about this podcast, you know that we care about three things. The song Mercury, the 1969 baseball season, and ice cream. That's why we're very excited to discuss Ben & Jerry's ice cream. Ben & Jerry's has collaborated with Fish and the Water Wheel Foundation to create a limited flavor. It's ice cream. A caramel malt ice cream with almond toffee pieces, fudge fish, and a caramel swirl. The packaging for the ice cream and a very limited t-shirt were designed by Jim Pollock. A portion of the proceeds for the ice cream and all of the proceeds for the t-shirts were donated to the Waterwheel Foundation. The ice cream and the teas can be ordered at store.benjerry.com. If you use the promo code OSIRIS, it's O-S-I-R-I-S, you can get free shipping on all orders over $50 for the rest of 2018. There's also a special curveball fish food slash waterwheel tea week that was created for the canceled festival that can be purchased online. Now let's go beyond the pond. Slipping on the friction slide, my skin feels to the bone. The flesh I leave behind is something. David Goldstein. I am Brian Brinkman. You are tuned into episode 550 of the Beyond the Pond podcast. This is the podcast in which generally Brian and myself utilize the music of Fish to introduce the listener to other bands, generally non-jam bands, I think that they might enjoy. Because as you know, if you listen to us in 50 episodes at this point, we love fish. We are fish fans. We love it when fish tours like they are right now, and this is being recorded. But the problem with fish fans is sometimes they get myopic. Only listen to fish. Do not uh, take advantage of the world of other wonderful, wonderful music out there, and we are going to do something about it. 
Absolutely. And you guys have been listening to us across the almost two years now, over now to 50 episodes. We are so thrilled and shocked that we got to this point. Uh, when Dave and I started this little project back in March 2017, I think we thought maybe we'll do it for a season. Maybe we'll do 10 episodes. We had no idea it was going to grow as much as it has and it would become what it has. Because um, you guys could want more. Yeah, it's just kept begging us for more, you know? Um, it's been an absolute joy to, to get here to 50 episodes. And um, uh, contrary to David's intro, we are actually going to go full indulgent here and stay completely in the realm of fish to celebrate our 50 episodes over the course of the next two episodes, maybe the next six hours. Who knows? We are going to be... Uh, uh, we are going to be covering our 10 favorite fish shows of all time. 10 favorite that we had the chance to attend in person. That is true. That is the, that yeah. is the, uh, yes. I was not at 1231.95, so I can't talk about it. <laughs> so, themes you can expect to hear in this episode. Gratitude. Our worst fish show ever. Our best shows ever. And on that note, let's get to the fish. guys so before we get started with our countdown across the next two episodes we wanted to take a pause and express some gratitude dave and i are the voices that you hear most episodes most episodes it's usually just us sometimes we have a guest um but there's a lot of people that go into building a podcast if you've never thought about building a podcast if you've never built one or if you have this is a huge, huge undertaking. It in, it uh, requires loads of support, loads of advice, loads of insight, loads of creative assistance, loads of friends who really just care about what you're doing and what your overall project is. Um, and we have been very, very blessed and very lucky to have a lot of really good people in our life. We want to thank them all right now before we jump into the episode. So without further ado... RJB, Jonathan Hart, Matt Dwyer, and all of Team HF Pod. Ben Greenfield, Josh Carver, Jake Cohen, Ryan Nichols, Stephen Hyden, Tom Marshall, Rob Brennan, and Kathleen Hinkle. Matt Burnham, Mike Lawn Memo, Mimeo, Sam Timberg. Everyone who listened to our very first and very raw episode back in 2017. Zencaster. Simplecast, the Osiris Podcast Network, what a huge family, the Sound Opinions Podcast, Grayson Haver Curran, Casher Trade, Lure Social, Penn and Jerry's, Fishnet, all of our contributors to our biannual Best Albums of the Year episodes, Seth Eisenstein and PJ Rudolph, our first two fans, 
every single band that we've featured on this podcast who hasn't sued us yet. It's not that they haven't wanted to try. All <laughs> of you out there on Twitter who have supported and continue to push us, our wives, the Chicago Cubs and the New York Mets, the UMBC basketball team, the album Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, Robert Mueller, and his entire Russian investigation. And last but not least, the war on drugs. It's been a good run so far, hasn't it? Absolutely. going to do is before we decide to uh, count down and get quite indulgent and friendly on our top 10 favorite fish shows of all time that we have attended, we're going to talk about the worst shows that we've attended because you can't have the best without the worst. It makes you appreciate the better ones. Absolutely does. I um, have been very lucky to see, as of recording, 68 fish shows as of the time that this post, 72 Still, shockingly, a relatively low number comparably. Though when I tell normal people in my everyday life how many fish shows I've seen, they're like, how do you do that? How is that something you do? So I'm in that weird middle ground in life, you know? But I've seen a lot of really good shows, but I've also seen a lot of really mediocre and really bad shows, such as the nature of a fan who starts out seeing fish in 2.0 and then starts to pick up pace in like 2009, 2010, 2011. But the worst show I've ever seen happened on April 15th, 2004 in Las Vegas, Nevada. I was 19. I was driving from Montana to Vegas with my four best friends. This was the first time I felt like I was on tour with the band. I had high hopes, probably ridiculous hopes, but high hopes that this was going to be the second island tour. Instead, during the middle of night one, I just kept asking myself, what's wrong with fish? It was the only time I've ever seen them and been actually embarrassed. Trey's vocals were shot. Every song was sloppy as fuck. They missed the re-entry to Down With Disease. It was so embarrassing. The jams were the jams came and drowned and, and Down With Disease, but, you know, at what cost? This show... Um, more than any other fish show that was played in the late 90s and the early 2000s, this is the reason that fish broke up. 
Mm. Dave, what do you got for us? Well, the true answer would be uh, February 24, 2003 being the infamous B.B. King show, but <laughs> that show's a unicorn that we've talked about, so that's kind of like an outlier. We've talked about that show a lot. Yeah. <laughs> More than we need to. Exactly. So I'm going to give you one other show from the same year. That would be November 29, 2003 from uh, the Spectrum in Philadelphia. That was part of their four-night turkey tour. I think what it was like Nassau Coliseum, Philly, uh, Boston Garden, and Albany. This, I think, was the worst of those four. And they just seemed, the band seemed very listless. It wasn't a very good set list. There was something resembling a jam in the set two twist. But that's about it. I mean, I remember they brought out yeah. Tom Marshall to sing Buffalo Bill. I think they encored with Friday, which, holy Jesus, don't ever do that. It just, <laughs> it seemed like the band felt nothing, and I felt nothing. I just left that show thinking, how's the traffic getting home? Like, I didn't talk about it with my buddy. It was, wasn't even so much sloppy, it just the word that keeps coming to mind is listless. It just wasn't anything I particularly enjoyed about that show and I think the band kind of seemed to feel the same way they just kind of let's get this to help over with almost like they had a premonition as to how 2004 would go so yeah do not recommend November 29th 03 from the spectrum yeah I remember reading uh, Jesse Jarno's infamous piece that came out after Vegas 04 and he referenced these four shows uh, for the turkey tour basically saying Fish has played two four-night runs and one three-night run in nine months. There's no way that this is how a creative band that's, like, really growing can continue. And I remember when the set list came out for this, and I remember jumping on PT and being and just, like, it getting destroyed and being like, uh, I don't know what's going on with Fish. This is supposed to be a really special tour. So I, I, I was not there, but I definitely understand your reasoning. Yeah, it was, was not feeling it. But, on a better note, let's jump into our top 10 favorite shows of all time that we've attended. Before, before we get started, I just want to note, um, this is part one of a two-part episode. We are going to count down 10 through 6 here on this episode, and then a week from today, we will come out with 5 through 1. So, hopefully you guys can handle the delay you know, in between. Hopefully you guys don't, don't go too crazy, but uh, Dave, what do you got as your number 10 Favorite fish show that you've attended of all time? My number 10 is August 14th, 2009 from the Meadows in Hartford, Connecticut. So this was the second show I saw when fish came back in 2009. I think the first one was the first night of the Jones Beach run after they played Fenway Park. And that show was fine. It kind of uh, felt a bit like a dress rehearsal. And I actually listened to it two months ago, and that was certainly borne out. A little sloppy, but... Just happy to have him back. Whereas August 14th actually felt like heading out to the bar and reconnecting with the best friends that you haven't seen in years. Because that was probably, I'd say, I don't think there's any question that that was a top five show of 2009. And a lot of shtick in that show. There was an Iculus. They played Forbin's Mockingbird in the first set. Um... In the second set, they did a ghost into Psycho Killer, into Ghost, which I think is part of a jam we're actually going to play. But I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm much older now. 
But because this had an Iculus with hilarious tray narration, because it had the Forbin's Mockingbird, had a down with disease with a Reba Jam, I remember thinking if I was in high school, I'd have completely lost it. Only now, like being older, <laughs> can I appreciate how the show is still really good and really fun. And I still listen to it pretty often to this day. Also, very good you enjoy myself. Although I think this is one of the um, the yams where Trey just decides to put his guitar down and kind of like dance like a fool on stage. Oh, they're right. There's also there's uh, yes. there's the John Fishman dance off when they're doing the thing that goes like pong back and forth, and Trey's saying, "I hope this music is the music of the future," which leads to Iculus and you kids with your DVDs. No reads the fucking book anymore. So sticky, but very well played, very fun. I was happy to be there. Show also has a uh, really good. I don't think I don't think you mentioned it. A Piper that segues perfectly into Water in the Sky where they start playing the descending riff into water in the sky. Ah, yes. Just It's so, so clean. I love that part of the show. Uh, Down with the Z's has that Reba jam. Um, Punching the eye opener, middle of the road, which was like, I think a Mike Leo Kotke song that was played like maybe four or five times that year. Never again. Right. Um, I remember this show being played when I was living in South Korea for the first time. And, I'll never forget waking up in the morning and seeing the set list and just like same way. I mean, I was, I think I'd seen nine shows at this point in time. So like to see a set list like that, to see that the band was still going to play like this at this point in 3.0 just got me so excited, really carried me back um, uh, to the U S to go and see them. I, I loved, loved everything about this show when it happened. Yeah. And I went and saw two shows at the garden December 2nd, December 4th. And I actually brought my father-in-law to December 2nd. And they played Peaches on Regala, and he's a really big Zappa fan, so that was cool. But, yeah, certainly this was uh, this was one show that made me think, all right, it's all going to be okay. Well, what are you going to play for us first? Oh, yeah, the ghost, psycho killer ghost portion. Let's do it.
contest right here. Whoever can do the best dance to this music wins something.
you, Fish. Come on, Fish, let's see you dance to this music right here. Here comes the winner right now. as much as I do. I love this thing. I'm waiting for the day that they play stuff like All this. Alright, thank you so much for that flashback to almost 10 years ago, which is really crazy to think about. Uh, 8-14-2009. What a great show, Dave. Um, so my number 10... September 1st, 2017 from Dick's Sporting Goods Park here in Colorado. So as many of you know, I was supposed to do Dick's 2016, but life hit in a bad way. And I had to put that trip off and it ended up, I mean, I think in some cases for the best, I got to return to Colorado with my wife who was healthy with my son and we were able to uh, enjoy Colorado right before we moved out here. And um, this was our first trip to Dick's in five years and really just served as a confirmation that we we're moving to Denver. Um, this show, night one of Dick's 2017, was far and away the best show of the run. Uh, as we went over in one of our episodes last year, I think it was episode 14. This was a continuation of everything great about the Baker's Dozen. It's very jammy. It's a really unique show with a... Killer five song, almost four songs set to. Blazon opens the show and just absolutely jams. Breath and Burning jams, Tube jams. The the uh, trio of No Man in No Man's Land, Karini and Ghost is just some of the most outstanding fish I've ever heard in my entire life. Karini uh, is nuts. Karini is nuts. The um, No Man goes into just atmospheric ambience. 
Uh, Ghost is just like a raging near 20 minute jam. And then they followed up with Hood. I mean, just it was an unbelievable introduction to Fish back at Dick's. I was with some of my best friends. Every single Friday show that I've seen at Dick's has just been outstanding. And this one kicked it off. It was an, or this one uh, was, was a just kind of revelation on that. It was just an excellent, excellent show. Um, what were your thoughts on this show, Dave? Yeah, that show is as good as anything in the Baker's dozen. And it had me with extremely high hopes for the other two nights of Dick's, which weren't that good. No, no, no. But yeah, the Carini is my favorite part of that show. Just it goes into just like a major jam where Trey is just doing his like curly cues on his guitar, going like did it, did it, did it, did it, did it, yeah, um, yeah. That's I listened to that show quite a bit. I couch toured with some very good friends over on uh, the east side of town, East Thirty Eighth Street, for that show. Uh, yep, I have nothing bad to say about that show. Yeah, it was a good one. So let's listen to a little portion of the Carini Jam here from Night One at Dick's 2017, September 1st, 2017.
have my number nine that I attended. This was from the uh, fantastic fall of 2013 Northeast run. This is October 27th, 2013, also from Hartford, Connecticut. This was the day that Lou Reed died. So uh, my friends, Kevin Finkel and Aaron Glick, who I have big Pond fans I've seen a whole bunch of shows with, they got to witness me looking at my phone and then sobbing into it in a hot dog place in Wethersfield, Connecticut. They didn't know what happened. And I said, Lou Reed died. And they're like, oh, you're taking that really hard. Well, yeah, it's Lou fucking Reed. And <laughs> as such, Fish, uh, the Big Velvet Underground song, is part of their repertoire is rock and roll. So they open with an 11-minute, very excellent type one version of that, followed by Trey saying, well, no, followed by the audience screaming, Lou! And Trey saying, let's take a moment of silence, one of the greatest songwriters ever. And of that he is very correct. So overall, excellent show. I could have just as he, I also saw the uh, the night before, Worcester Night 2, October 26. I could have just as easily said that that was uh, my ninth favorite show. But this one has a tweezer that I simply love. I've taken to calling it the service dog tweezer because it has a portion in the second half that's basically a slowed down version of the limb by limb chord progression. It just mellows me out like a service dog calms down like sick kids in the hospital. And I just want to put it on and all my cares in the world momentarily go away. And that tweezer as good as it is, it's eventually followed by an extremely funky start stop golden age, kind of like the golden age. They played a few uh, days earlier at Hampton. I know October, 2013 is known for, uh, Waka Waka, Start Stop, 16-Minute Golden Ages. That was really good. Excellently played Fluffhead in that set. Just a very well-rounded show in one of my favorite venues because, um, to me, the best thing about fall tour is hanging out in, like, the parking lot in, like, 45-degree weather in the more smaller industrial cities and minor league hockey arenas that Fish generally tends to populate in fall tour uh, when they had it. That really takes you back to high school. I mean, Hartford Civic Center was a place that I went all the time in high school because I'm from Connecticut. So uh, in addition to being a very, very good show, it gave me some very good nostalgic feels. Yeah, this show is uh, – I just did like a re-listen of all the highlights of Fall 13, kind of getting ready for Fall Tour here in 2018. Um, and uh, it's just one of those shows that just continues the hot streak. They're just like a baseball team that can't lose. Right. You, you take it for granted. You know, it's just, it's such a such a good set list. Very, very solid set list. Really, really excellent jams. And um, the tweezer in this is just some of the happiest, warmest jamming I've ever heard from Fish. I absolutely love it. It's the golden retriever that licks your face. Yeah. <laughs> Should we hear a bit of it? Yes. Let us listen to that portion of the tweezer.
my number nine show. We're taking it as far back as I go with fish. Uh, I apologize to all the vets out there. I do not touch 1.0. It just never worked out for me. I was either too young. The timing wasn't right. I got things kicked off in February 2003. I'd been a fish too fan. Too young for- or too drunk? What's that? I said you were either too young or too drunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, not really. No, <laughs> I got into uh, I got into fish uh, in 2001, but they were on hiatus. So it was until winter of '03 that I was able to finally see them. And uh, my first show was February 20th, 2003, at Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois, uh, right next to O'Hare International Airport. Um, so this show contains a really great Type One rock and roll in the first set. Uh, a, an excellent 50 minute waves in a simple and a got a segment that closes things out. It's just so 2.0. Um, I sat fourth row Mike's side, some of the best seats I'll ever have. And I've ever had at a fish show um, set two has a very killer tweezer, which is a preview of the Nassau tweezer that we covered in episode 26 and a seven below. That is just such a groovy jam. All that said, to be honest, I left this show disappointed. I think I had built Fish up for two years, and I don't know if any show would have been, you know, satisfying unless they played, you know, Gamehenge or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> but this show grew on me a lot in 2009 um, when the band wasn't jamming as much during that tour. And I just was craving that kind of improvisation from Fish. And um, uh, it just. It's now it's now one of my favorite shows. So um, I listen to this show all the time. I listen to the jams from this show all the time. And I learned three very important lessons at this show that have stuck with me for pretty much the entirety of my fish career, even though I've uh, deviated from each of them at times, as we will. You know, we can't control everything at a fish show. Uh, but the three things were this. Number one, do not go overboard in the lot. Yeah. Number two, get in early. You want to get your beer, you want to get your seat, you want to have space, all that sort of stuff. Number three, and this is very important, and I learned this immediately, and I've had a couple of shows where this has come back to bite me in the ass in the wrong way. But don't sit with friends who don't get it. (laughs) No, it's great to sit with friends. It's great to sit with, you know, buddies of yours. But, like, at the end of the day, they don't get it. It's just going to take away from aspects of it. So I learned those three things, and um, I'm glad to say that I, I brought all of them with me going forward. So we're going to play a little bit of The Seven Below here from February 20th, 2003, my first show ever, and um, still one of, the, uh, one of the best shows I've ever seen.
brings me to number eight this is my third ever show december 2nd 1995 from new haven coliseum in new haven connecticut the coliseum no longer exists it was a very smoky very strange minor league hockey arena that almost kind of looked like a plus sign i mean it was very 70s, like you could have imagined seeing like Van Halen there in like 1976, just like a huge cloud of like cigarette smoke. I didn't dislike <laughs> it. It was also uh, very close to my childhood home. Remember, it was very, very cold on this evening. And what's funny about 12295 is that Taken as a whole, it's not a very good show. And it's a very staid set list. Uh, the fourth quarter yeah. is like. Three or four set closers all just played back to back to back. I mean, it was as close as you can get to a dud on December 1995. But the reason that I have it up there and the reason that people know about the New Haven Tweezer is that uh, this show featured the fastest, hardest, hosiest tweezer in the history of the band. It does a little <laughs> bit of fast tweezer expiration, and then Fishman kicks the jam into double time, and then that's the most exercise I've ever gotten at a fish show because I was on a treadmill going 60 miles an hour. I remember <laughs> screaming my head off like Art Blakey when he's playing the drums, going, what is happening? I was 16 years old and having the time of my life, and that tweezer holds up. That's if you ever want to get excited for something you want to psych yourself up you want to go on a run you want to do something that's hard and fast <clears throat> and you want to see about how fish was used to be capable of playing <clears throat> check that tweezer out i mean they did similar things on uh, november 30th 1995 from the nutter center that tweezer has like a three minute fast host portion oh, there's also some of it on um december 14 1995 binghamton tweezer but this is the only one that just have like 10 minutes of straight fire. Like if you haven't heard it, Jesus Christ, pause the podcast, go to re-listen, listen to it. You'll come back a changed man or woman. The good thing is we're going to play it right now. Yes, we are.
All right. December 95, just torrential fish. Unbelievable stuff there. Um, so bringing it up to the modern age. Uh, night one of Dicks this year. It's my eighth favorite show. 831-2018. Um, man, this was an emotional and a heavy fish show. I've never seen a show like this. Um, I don't think anybody in the fan base has seen a show like this. Um, just so many emotions from the crowd, from the stage. The band's playing just stayed, said everything that you needed to know. Harry Hood in the second slot. All caps blaze on. I mean, just an unbelievable 12-minute type one take on that song. Ghost finding its way into Cross-Eyed and Painless midway through set one. Um, Carini warded off the curveball demons. Light reprised the dicks undermined. I mean, it was just... The show was relentless. It felt just like you were... Just getting pummeled with fish emotions. Felt like the band was just had a mission to come on stage, get off stage, and never think about curveball ever again. Um, just wanted to get. Yeah, I thought about it plenty on nights two and three. <laughs> it's true, um, but you know, it just felt like they wanted to like make this massive musical statement and move on from there. So. Uh, this was an amazing show. Did you 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 webcasted this show, right? Yeah, I captured that. It was a great show. Everyone, uh, my little couch tour party was very very pumped up for that show. God, the Carini and the light, especially just like the Carini's like doing scaling skyscrapers with these pink bends, just higher and higher and higher. Um, yeah, fantastic show. One of the best of the summer. And again, nights two and three, not as good. Right, right. <laughs> it's just uh, it's a weird trend here. I'm hoping that they, uh, I'm hoping that we don't uh, we don't see that again here in 2019 at Dicks. But for the time being, this light from 8:31/2018, unbelievable stuff here. Let's check it out.
Okay. So my number seven, I have August 15th, 2015 from Meriwether Post Pavilion. This was such a fun show. When you look at the set list, set, uh, set one, a lot of rarities, like big bust out set. And then set two, it just flows awesomely. It's got this big 46 days. There's this huge D major bliss jam that you think is going to turn into free, but doesn't turn into free, and they were much better for it. It's got a ginormous piper, which has Fishman taking like drum solos. Like he's like literally taking drum solos. It sounds like they're going to go into the real me. They don't quite do that. And then they go into a tweezer from that Piper, which may have the stankiest, like, Paige clavinet. As they say, when Paige stands up, we get down. And boy, oh boy, did they get down here. That goes into, like, um, NO2 and Trey's running around with a megaphone. I mean, not only was the show itself extremely fun, but it was a very nice day outside, um, I had somehow managed to kind of uh, get my way down to the lower pavilion, not too far from the floor. And we were uh, with my friend James Ingalls, who's only seen two fish shows at me, both of those shows at Mayweather Post Pavilion. But he's one of those guys that when you're friends, you're friends for life, and he isn't shy about buying you lots of um, hard hard liquor drinks at fish concerts. <laughs> and if you've ever been to Mayweather, Ever been to Meriwether Post Pavilion, up on the lawn, kind of off to the side. They have the place where you can buy cocktails. And, you know, usually if I'm at a fish show, I'll have like an IPA or two, but usually not hard liquor. And I was actually, um, watched the second set of this show with Friend for the Pond, PJ Rudolph, was similarly feeling good. And during that Piper, when you heard Tweezer, we kind of turned sideways. You're like, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Oh, my God. They're going to do it. They're going to play Tweezer. <laughs> Which, uh, and they did. And after the show, he went to Ellicott City and got Korean barbecue and loaded up on soju. And everyone just went home full and happy and it was one of the best fish experiences and scene slash friend experiences I've had at a show. I know you were at this show. I was. And uh I'm staying silent because I've got a lot I'm gonna say about this show a little bit later as well. This is uh I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm just grinning listening to what you're saying. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh I, I definitely know it's coming. <laughs> I'm just grinning uh, hearing it because uh um you know it's it's funny because this show I feel like every person at this show had the exact same experience that you had, that I had, in just slightly different ways. So I love everything about hearing this. Yeah. So let's listen to uh, the portion of the Piper when it eventually goes into Tweezer, which I'm thinking is the that part. So Brian knows exactly what to cue up when he edits this. So do it. Thank you. 
right, sticking with summer 2015, what a summer tour this was, man. I had so much fun on this tour. Yeah. I'm going to go with day two of Magnaball, August 22nd, 2015, is my number seven favorite show of all time that I've attended. This was just the best fish day ever. I woke up in Elmira, and just as a note, we were not camping because my wife was 32 weeks pregnant at the time with our son. We were motelling it. <laughs> we woke up in a motel in Elmira. We had an amazing breakfast and drove into Magnaball. Gorgeous day. That whole area looks like Gamehenge. Um, I mean, I know why Fish loves Watkins Glen. I know why they love the area. It's just it. It's green. It's lush. It's hilly. It's gorgeous. There's beautiful farmhouses everywhere. Just a beautiful, beautiful setting to go and see fish. And you knew you were getting fish from about 3 p.m. to 2 a.m. Three sets plus a secret set. Could you ask for anything more? No. I don't think you can. (laughs) (laughs) So this show had a uh, Divided Sky opener, which is my favorite fish song. This was the first time I saw it open a show. First set was pretty first setty, but you know, it didn't matter. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. Beers were flowing. People were dancing. It was just a fun, fun environment. It was, I don't think I've ever re-listened to the first set of the show and I don't think I ever need to, but in the moment it was kind of like the perfect barbecue set. Uh, set two featured an excellent 46 days with a two versions of me jam, the tweezer into Prince Caspian note, not back into tweezer. Not back into Tweezer. (laughs) We covered this Prince Caspian episode 12, if you guys want to go back and check it out. Set three's got Blaze On, Possum, Light, Cities. The most interesting version of 555 played outside of its debut. I mean, just an amazing three sets of music. Jams everywhere. And then set four. I remember the show ended. We were tired. It was getting cold. I remember asking my wife, do you think you can make it? Do you think you can handle another hour or so of hanging out here and music? And she was like, I, th- I can do it. you know. And, and I was so thankful for it. And she was like, I want to see a secret set too. And so we made our way over to the big movie theater and put a blanket down, laid down. Fish came on stage and played an hour of ambient noise and droning melodies. In the middle of upstate New York in the early or in the late hours of the night. Just total perfection, a total dream moment for me. And so I'm going to play a little bit of the drive-in jam here from August 22nd, 2015, which is my seventh favorite fish show of all time.
sixth favorite show that I have attended. <clears throat> this is my second show. And uh, by the way, up to this point, I've seen 76. So this was number two, June 29th, 1995. I thought this was a lot better than night one. Night one has that 35-minute tweezer that's very similar to 1995, and I find very dissonant and kind of boring. But what was interesting about... Night one was that we've been like seeing set list and the Doniac Vice and seeing they've had all these new songs that they played at uh, at the Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, like Planned Parenthood, Voters for Choice gig, like, um, you know, uh, I guess free theme from the bottom. Maybe they played Don't You Want to Go at that show. I can't remember. But none of those new songs have been played on 628. It was a very old school vintage. So what they did for 629 was they went in the opposite direction and they ended up playing almost all of those new songs. They had um, the second song in the first set was Taste. There was a free set two opener. First time I ever heard free, still maybe my favorite version of the song just because I can see the yellow lights and the fog over uh, the water in Jones Beach. Theme from the bottom, Encore. They played Acoustic Army at that show, Day in the Life, which was... um, the cover du jour in 1995. And also, of course, they played that huge, gorgeous, very strange Bowie, which we covered uh, a while back. And they also played summer 1995. You enjoy myself had absolutely sick Mike drum and bass jams. And what we're actually going to play is the uh, drum and bass portion of the you enjoy myself. But in addition to just being a really good show for your second show, 
again, I mean, I have fond memories of this because I was uh, only 15 years old. We hung out on the beach the day before. I mean, we hung out on the beach the afternoon before. We played Ultimate Frisbee with uh, some slightly older guys that said they were runners for Fishnet. I didn't get their names. Maybe I'm friendly with them now. I don't know. But it was uh, all in all an excellent experience. And I got to stay at my grandparents' house in Roslyn, New York, because that's what you do when you're 15. You stay at Grandma and Grandpa's house. So let's listen to some of the drum and bass portion of the hot You and Drum Myself from June 29th, 1995. Thank you. 
All right. So my number six show is yet another show from summer 2015. This was just such a good tour. Oh my god. Um, I can honestly say this is this is the best tour I've seen the band on just from a consistent standpoint because I saw them three weekends in a row over the last month of the tour and oh man, just the memories I have seeing them at Alpine, Merriweather, and then um, uh, Magna Ball just unbelievable right before i became a dad what's cuyahoga falls that eight seven right eight seven yeah so that was okay. the friday night oh. and then saturday sunday was alpine um Love cuyahoga falls. This, show, this show's got like a game henge-esque feel to it i was sitting in really excellent seats in the pavilion with my brother kevin and one of our best friends nick wilson two of my absolute favorite people to see fish with on the way to the show, we stopped at a great little Wisconsin sports bar on a no-name lake for a pre-show. There were raging fish tunes there, serving killer cheese curds and pouring New Glarus. It was just absolutely perfect. At the show, we got the very first very long fuse since Halloween 14. I got my first ever Forbin's Mockingbird and almost lost my shit. We got a Sanity. We got a Saw It Again all in set one. Um, I believe I heard rumors that Craig Hillwig had something to do with this set list that Trey was asking Tom for rarities and Tom texted Craig and he gave him a bunch of these. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I, I feel like I've heard that here and there and either way, whatever that is happened, the urban legend. what's that? So that is the urban legend. That is it. Um, mm. whatever happened, an absolute amazing set list, an amazing shit, amazing so show. Um, second set, we got Waves segueing perfectly into Tweezer. And Tweezer had just been played two nights earlier at Blossom, so it was incredibly unexpected. Led to a Franklin's Tower Jam. Later in the set, we got the second Mike's Jam following the breakthrough in Nashville and the last time they jammed the song until 8-2-17, Holes Night at the Baker's Dozen. All together, super fun show, just like very emotional, very historic. It felt like a nod to Jerry on the 20th anniversary of his passing, um, but it also just felt like a really excellent fish show in a really excellent fish tour. So we're going to play a little bit of the Franklin's Tower Jam here from that tweezer, August 9th, 2015.
this is uh, our bottom five. So let me recap the jams we played in this episode. We listened to uh, the Ghost Psycho Killer Ghost portion from August 14, 2009. Listened to uh, the Fiery A Major Carini Jam from September 1st, 2017. Listened to uh, the Mellow portion of the Tweezer October 27, 2013. The Seven Below from February 20th, 2003. The fiery, fiery, fiery tweezer from December 2nd, 1995. The light from August 31st of 2018. The uh, piper into tweezer from the uh, batshit insane set two of August 15th, 2015 from Mayweather the Post Pavilion. Of course, the drive-in jam from August 22nd, 2015. Some of the fiery drum and bass in the Union Drum I saw from uh, June 29, 1995. And then finally, a portion of the tweezer from August 9th, 2015. And just a reminder for you guys where you can find us on social media. On Twitter, we are incredibly active, especially during Fish Tour. At underscore Beyond the Pond. We have a Medium page where you can find some of our writings and links to our episodes as well medium.com backslash beyond the pond and Spotify our ever growing playlist I don't know if any of these songs will make it to the playlist because so many of these tend to be bootlegs and they're not on Spotify but it's I believe it's over 300 songs at this point is that right? Yes well over well over 300 songs Uh, the beyond the pond podcast songs playlist we'd encourage you guys all to check those out so as you know, are well aware, our publishing structure is every other Tuesday. Tuesdays don't have much feel. We try to uh, give you something to look forward to on Tuesday morning. So come back in a week for episode 50, part two. And we will count up from number five all the way up to number one. So come back in a week. We'll hold hands. We'll sing Kumbaya. We'll talk about some fish. We'll go beyond the pond.